Darcy Patrick is a mental health advocate, speaker, coach, and author of five books about his journey from severe depression to wellness. Two years ago, Darcy ended up in hospital in excruciating back pain, and doctors still haven't figured out what caused the serious erosion in two discs in his back, so he still lives with debilitating pain. And I met Darcy almost 10 years ago, and he is one of the most determined people I know. So I asked him to share how he's using his mental health skills to help him live with the constant pain. Hey, Darcy, how are you? I am well. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Great to talk to you again. Uh, I know it's been a rough couple of years for you. Uh, In the intro, I talked, you know, about the problem that you had your spinal injury and uh, how I was pretty sure that you were using your mental health techniques to help you work through the pain and get back to where you are today. You're a very fit guy. Uh, you did a lot of meditation. You were in a good place. You were a peer support worker. And then boom. Yeah, it was like a switch went off uh, in, on January the 2nd. Uh, of 2022, right after the new year, uh, literally, uh, I woke up and I couldn't move. I was in like horrific back pain. And I had never, like you said in the intro, had any back problems. I was in top physical shape. I mean, waking up in the morning and running a 16 kilometer run before I went to work was just like what I did. Uh, Yoga, meditation. um, I was a pretty strong dude. And I woke up and I, and I'd never been in this much pain. Uh, I went to the hospital, um, kind of, I was misdiagnosed, which is, isn't something that is really important, uh, in the scare grand scheme of things, because I'm, I'm, I'm living and getting through things. So I went about two months of taking like kind of over the counter muscle relaxants, trying to, uh, stretch my back out. And, uh, fighting to to be at work every day until February 28th. And that is when I woke up to do some yoga and to stretch and I couldn't move my legs. They just wouldn't do what I was telling them to do. Uh, so I ended up, ended up actually going to work and, and feeling better uh, after having a shower. I was like, oh, wow, I can, I, I can do another day before I have to go to the hospital. Uh, and I got to, I got to my first peer's house and, she looked at me and she said, Darcy, please promise me that you're going to go to the hospital. And, you know, I looked at her and I said, you know what? I think it's time that I listen to someone I support as they support me. And that's the the power of peer support. So I actually listened. I went back to the office, told my boss that I was going to be gone for a long time. I knew this wasn't uh, something simple. So I drove back to St. Catharines, which is ironic because I was afraid to leave my car in Hamilton because I didn't know what the parking fee was going to be. Like you think so the weird, weird stuff that goes like, through your head, right? And, and we're going to talk about that because when we're in pain, we have certain reactions and certain things that that drive us and we, we think certain ways that are unrealistic. And so I drove all the way back to St. Catharines. Uh, they finally took me seriously. They did a CT scan of my back followed up by an MRI and they realized that I had a bacterial infection that was eating my spine and had already eaten the disc in between L2 and L3. So I was completely unstable. They tried for about a month and a half, almost two months to kill the infection with uh, IV antibiotics. Uh, They couldn't. So I ended up being 
you know, rushed back to Hamilton to have uh, emergency spinal surgery uh, where they put in uh, eight rods uh, and no, sorry, eight screws and two rods uh, to hold my spine together. Uh, shortly after that, um, you know, I was sent home. I did a total of 18 weeks of IV antibiotics. Uh, so there were uh, antibiotics were coming to my house. I had a pick line and I had to learn how to walk, how to sit, um, how to stand and try to work my way uh, back to work. Uh, the infection did some weird stuff to me that no one can explain. Uh, I have peripheral nephrology in about 80% of my body. So I don't feel uh, temperature. I have pins and needles all over my face, through my arms, my chest, my hands, my legs. Uh, they did a biopsy, uh, two biopsies of my spine to figure out what it was. They never discovered what it was. And in, in doing so, they hit a major nerve in my right leg. Uh, and so my right leg's completely numb and in uh, constant pain. But I had to fight and get back. So I managed to get myself back to work uh, in July, near the end of July 2022. Uh, and shortly after that, uh, I really, really started having leg problems and uh, the nephrology like went right through the roof and I have literally in, in two years, I counted the other day, uh, I've had over 37 MRIs and CT scans. Uh, I've seen four different neurologists, two different neurosurgeons, and they have absolutely no idea what happened to me. And the infection is so rare that it's like one out of 150 or 200,000 people who get this. And my... Uh, infection was culture negative, which means they really don't know what the hell happened to me. Well, I've seen the x-rays. Yeah. And um, you can't even believe the hole that was eaten between your your uh, two vertebrae. Uh, but what I do know about you, Darcy, and I've known you for quite a while now, we don't see a lot of each other, but I've known you pretty much since you wrote your first book, Why I Run. Yes. And uh, you are one of the more determined people I've met in my life. But when you started with uh, Why I Run, that was based on using your ability to run, which you were already doing. And like you said, you were still running 16K up until a couple of years ago when this happened with your back. But you used that physical mindset of, or I guess more sort of emotional mindset of running to help you deal with the depression that you'd been living with for years and didn't even know you were living with. So then that took you through to your, um, I think I said you've written five books now. Yes. I just held up four fingers for anybody who can't <laughs> see me. <laughs> That's all right. Um, and how did those books and how did your approach to life so why i run helped you deal with discovering your depression and along with cognitive behavioral therapy developing some tools yes. to to cope with your depression and to put your life back into a place where you were living a, a good life you were coping with the depression and then you wrote i believe the second one was mindful meditation yeah. And um, so you brought in meditation into your life. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah. how did you use that to start to live with the pain? Well, my routine had to take on a new form um, because my physical body wasn't the way it was before. So I had to, uh, you know, use, like you said, a lot of tools from what I had done, especially the acceptance piece where um, no matter how hard I wanted my body to heal um, and go back to normal, my normal was completely gone. And I think a lot of people who have severely traumatic injuries, well, any injury whatsoever, they crave to be back to normal. What can make me normal? And I fought and I chased that doctor that was going to flip that magic switch and, uh, and, and put me back to Darcy of 2021 or earlier, you know? Um, and so I had to come to grips with what I was now and who I was now and work within it. So my meditation practice completely changed uh, I started to to do deeper work as to connecting my mind and and my body together uh, to accept and to calm myself when I was feeling overwhelmed. Um, so my meditation completely changed. Uh, my ability to use my CBT skills prepared me uh, really, really well for what was happening. So, um, I was able to deal with things that I think the average person, uh, would have been really overwhelmed by, you know, like I, I managed to garden, uh, even though I couldn't bend my back. Right. I accepted that I could use different gardening tools, different grabbers, different things. And I could still enjoy what I was doing. I could still practice mindfulness. I could still be in moments and enjoy life. And I think that when we struggle with chronic pain, it's, we have this mindset of uh, all or nothing where we have to be who we were before. And how do I get there? Why can't someone fix me? But, you know, once that's done, like I can't go back and change what happened to my spine. Like you said, you saw the hole that's in it. Um, My legs are, my movement of my legs is completely changed. Uh, you know, the way I walk, how long I can, how long I sit completely changed. So I had to learn to work within that kind of scope of living and having the pain. So my meditation completely, completely changed. And so did my, you know, I, I remember the doctor, I asked the doctor if I could still do yoga. And he looked at me and he said, healthy people do yoga. You're not healthy anymore. You can't do yoga. Uh, And I didn't believe that. I said, yeah, you know what? Screw you. Uh, I can find yoga poses that I can do without bending my back. Um, And I started. So I had to be very proactive to build a new way of living as opposed to trying to get back to where I was. Yeah, that's interesting because... That sort of of acceptance of where you are, and then what you did in in uh, in kind of working within it. A lot of us would say, "What physiotherapist do I go to? What doctor do I go to?" And 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 I hadn't thought about it. And in, in in you're chasing that dream again of 
of having your body back. And yet for some people with chronic pain, like you have in a situation that's just never going to get better. This is not a broken leg or a knee replacement or something like that. This is never going to get better. But there are a lot of people out there who live with the kind of chronic pain that you're living with, who will never get better. And so that acceptance is uh, so important. But you also had, and part of that, I guess, part of the acceptance is such a positive um, state of mind, which um, as I've been following mostly on your Instagram account and the photos you've been sharing, you you started to do the um, drawings of, I'm, it's not a cartoon, a lot of people will have seen these drawing books that uh, have some fairly intricate uh paint by number kind of an idea, except you create your whole colors and you do it with colored pencil. And you started sharing those. And as I was looking at those, I was thinking, Darcy's getting physically better, physically better, physically better. And I expected when I contacted you that you were going to say, yeah, I'm over most of the pain. And I said, so how would you rate your pain? And you said eight out of 10. Yeah. But you've been using even those kinds of tools were helping you build your your new life absolutely yeah um unfortunately yeah i live with like eight out of ten pain um and being like practicing mindfulness takes me away from what i like to call um hyper focus right so we are like pain we are taught to see in a certain way and when it gets to a certain level of pain, we kick in our natural reflexes and we fight, flight, freeze, right? And so we we fight against it. We say this isn't happening or we pull back and we allow it to control our lives, stop us from doing things we love. And that hyper-focus can be put in other places, right? So instead of hyper-focusing on how I am feeling physically, I can hyper-focus on that coloring, right? I can hyper-focus on um, writing. I can hyper-focus on gardening. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I can hyper-focus on meditating and 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 um, calming myself as opposed to allowing the pain to completely run over me. These are all like unnatural things, right? Like we naturally, when we feel pain, we want to lie down. We want to rest. We want to reach out for help. We want it to be gone. We want to put that Band-Aid on it. We want to ice it. We want to make it go away. But like you said, when you struggle with chronic pain, it never goes away. So how do we live, right? What tools do we use to still be happy, to be functional, Um in real life without having those natural reflexes to pain cripple us, right? And make things worse. And that goes directly into our minds, right? We're mind, body, and soul. So I even had to change the way I think. So when I go to stand, instead of, you know, I stand up and I'm in pain and I go to walk and my legs, you know, they don't kick in right away or I feel like I'm going to fall. I don't say to myself, oh my God, I'm screwed. I got to go to the doctor. I got to go to the hospital. Um, I'm a mess. I'll never get better. Like all these negative things that can come dr lying directly into your mind have to not be there. So now when I stand up, I just, I know what's going to happen. And I say to myself, yeah, you know what? I hear you. I feel you. And I'm going to move slow and everything's going to be all right. 
and it always is. That's a very difficult thing for most people to um, be able to develop. Fortunately, you had those skills. Yeah. And uh, you've obviously had to use them in a much different way. Um, and a lot of people don't have those skills or don't know that those skills really even exist. And, but I want to talk a little bit as well about your personal relationships. So you're married and you have a, and you have a, a son. Yep. And I think that one thing that happens with, with any level of pain is that you get aggravated and easily angry. And, uh, you know, this is happening to me. It's not happening to you. How have you dealt with that within your family? Because there would have had to have been a lot of acceptance there as well. Yeah. So I have a little mantra and I'm writing, a, I was actually writing about it today um this morning uh, as i was uh, been inspired the past couple of days to write so i have things that i say in my head while i meditate and throughout my day and they are i am love i am kindness i am compassion and i am understanding and each time i say one of those i think of what goes along with it uh what does love mean to me uh, who loves me? Uh, who do I love? Right? I am kindness. Everything that we can and crave in life can be achieved by being kind to one another. Right? So all of these things help me as I feel the frustration of, you know what, I, I can't play pool with my son, but I can drive him with a friend to the pool hall so they can play. I can watch, right? Um, yeah, I do... Um, I do lose my temper sometimes, but I'll take a step back and remember, like I had nice influences throughout my life. My father, I don't think he, he may have raised his voice to me maybe four times throughout my life. And we had uh, seven kids in the house. So he was always calm. And so I look at things and I have to understand and show myself compassion within these moments where, um, we would show compassion to other people very simply, uh, but for some reason, it's harder for us to show it to ourselves. So in those moments where I feel overwhelmed um, and I'm having to deal with things that are going on within my family, with, them, with my wife, my son, my frustrations, um, I have to step back and show myself some compassion and kindness and understanding for what I'm going through and why. And obviously you have a very understanding family who oh, have yeah. supported you a lot through this. And, and I think probably some of that has come from their natural ability and their, their uh, natural thought process and the way they feel emotionally uh, to be able to connect with you or they wouldn't be your family, frankly, but. Uh, Absolutely. Let's talk about your newest book that you're writing, which is a book that's about coping with pain. And you have said that this is the most emotional and hardest to write book that you have written or undertaken so far. Yeah, this book, it's going to be called uh, Personal Growth. Uh, and it kind of is going to lead through the beginning of, of how this happened, right? Uh, how I was riding high 
you know, working at St. Joe's, you know, landing this dream job uh, of being a peer support provider in one of Canada's most renowned mental hospitals. And then the crash, what like basically what happened day by day in the hospital, all the different tools I used while I was hospitalized to get through the days, to get through the pain uh, and leading to like where I am now, where I see that this was a gift for my personal growth, right? Where nothing that is meaningful to us doesn't happen without uh, a little pain. And in my case, it was a lot of pain, but I believe that everything that I had done to that point was leading to this. Like my therapist told me, you know, if you never started therapy in 2013, do you think that you would have been able to be where you're at now with this spinal injury? And there's no way I would be, right? So this book is going to kind of highlight the tools that, I'm, that I used to get through point A to point B and which point B is to be determined, which is really cool because I am right now I'm like, really hitting my stride with using these tools, right? Really being thankful for where I am. So like, for example, my boss, my manager at work, uh, she is one of the most kindest, understanding, caring people I've ever met in my entire life. And if I am halfway through a day of work and the peripheral nephropathy is so bad in my face or the pain is so bad, I just have to text her and say, you know, I'm going home. And she just understands and doesn't question, doesn't even bat an eye. And she even, uh, you know, talked to the, the, the people in occupational health and they know who I am and they know what I've been through. And I just walk in and I say, I'm going home. And they're like, okay, let us know when you're back. And there's no questioning. There's no third degree. There's nothing. Uh, and, to have that supportive environment that I work in every day, as I give that support to my peers as well, it's given back to me. So what we give, you know, we always receive back in kind. Um, and I have worth in my workplace and that keeps me going as well as all my tools, right? I have a place that is actually fulfilling to be at. And that's one of the things that I'm really coming to realize uh, right now is that the work I do with my peers not only helps them and gets them through through difficult challenges and their struggles, but man, it lights me up inside and makes me feel good about myself. And in that, in turn, gets me excited to strap on my shoes every day, to get in my car, to drive to Hamilton, to show them love, kindness, compassion because it helps me as well and that's my secret is that like when i go to work i'm not going just for them i'm going for me because they build me up they inspire me and without them in my life i think that you know i i wouldn't be where i am right now so the book is going to be you know i think this is going to be the I'm not going to say the best book I've ever written because who knows, I thought I wasn't going to write a book after the big let go. Um, and now I'm going to, this will be my second book after that. So this book is going to be something really cool. It's going to have a lot of personal journal entries that from my handwritten journals, uh, lots of different ways of using tools that 
I used for my uh, emotional recovery and for my depression and anxiety. That's going to use all those tools, but in a completely kind of different way to help with my with my emotional self as I go through this physical pain.